Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another stimulating conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. Elaine and Diane here today, and we've got a really cool conversation we want to have with you. We do, but like you said, stimulating, and I suddenly realized I'm kind of tired today. So, like, I'm gonna like get my energy up. But yeah, but you love talking about control, man. <laughs> oh, I do, I do. Right. So the topic today is control. And I was laughing because like before we got on, I was like trying to find the Janet Jackson song. And it's like, I'm like so 90s. Like I grew up with uh, going out to clubs and things like that. But there's this great song, Google it by Janet Jackson called Control. And it's it's all about control is what she says is bottom line. And it's such a big deal for our audience, particularly because it's like we feel out of control as parents. Our kids feel out of control feels like the hot mess. I mean, there's all these different variables going on. So I'm just excited to talk about this conversation to really kind of dig in and what at what's going on and and what to do about it to kind of shift some of the less favorable dynamics to the more favorable ones. Yeah, right. Well, and the subtext to this or the corollary to it's all about control is that help is not helpful if what we're really doing is control. And so, you know, there's there's understanding control, which is kind of, I think, the first part of what we'll talk about. And then there is ways in which we think we're helping and we're actually controlling, which is probably the second thing we'll talk about. Well, yeah, I mean, it's there's this whole thing. We were doing the webinar today and we were talking about positivity and about the research and how it shows that it's only counts as positivity if the kid feels that it it's positive, right? It's just sort of, it's not our perspective of whether it's positive or not. It's really about the person that's receiving that determines the success of the positivity, right? So it's the same sort of thing here. It's, we may feel like, oh, I'm not trying to control, but if the minute our kids think that we've got an agenda that might be incongruent with theirs, or we've got an agenda at all that, that we're trying to insert into the process, they're likely to shut down and so not, let's, let's talk engaging. about the control first. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's contr- our control and their control. Let's break those two down. Right. Let's deal with us first. Yeah. We well, the is, human the about- parents and grandparents yeah. and professionals who want outcomes for our kids. Right. Well, there's, there's what we want, right. Our goals, our aspirations, or our desire to help our kids get what they say they want their goals and their aspirations. And what tends to happen with most of us is that we don't approach it from a place of what's ours to own. I think about there's like the Stephen Covey circle of influence Influence versus circle of control. Well, I guess it's technically circle of concern, but I think about it as circle of control, but it's like this 
what's really ours to do and what's not. And one of the important pieces is the minute we go into control, it's like, oh, wow, I got to make this happen. I got to make that happen. It's probably a great indication that we're dysregulated in this situation because control is one of the core coping mechanisms, right? So if I'm feeling off balance, if I'm scared, I'm anxious, I'm frustrated, I'm overwhelmed, you know, any of those emotional things, that little judge in our head goes, okay, wait, you got to be in charge. You got to take over. But before that, okay, so you're already getting to the action that leads to the problems. So let's pull back before that, right? Yep. What's really happening when we have complex kids, and I don't care if you have little kids, medium-sized kids, older kids, or young adults, right? Whatever age, what, what I'm, what's really happening is we want outcomes for them. We want them to be successful. We want them to, you know, tie their shoes, turn in their homework, graduate from high school, go to college, whatever it is, right? Whatever it is. Get a good job. We want for them. And, and the way we think and that that we need to help them be successful ends up, we've talked about this in another episode, wanting from them. It's like, we want them to perform a certain way, to do something, to achieve something. There are outcomes we're looking for. And we're trying to, what we think we're trying to do is set them up for success with those outcomes. But we're off, often really actually kind of attached to the outcomes. We're attached to how it has to be, or it has to look a certain way, or um, they have to go to a certain kind of school or do a certain kind of activity after school. And we see the path forward for them, how we see it. And so then we start trying to make that happen because that's what we think is good for them. Well, just to say it a a little bit differently, it's like, if we can, we can hold a vision. What we want for our kids is to be independent, successful, happy. I mean, it's, it's, it's not very few of us really say, I want my kid to do this job and go to this college. And, you know, some of us do, but most of us just want happy, healthy kids that are well-adapted and in good relationships and feel great about themselves and all these other things. Right. And we want them to be successful in life, whatever that is. Right. Whatever success means. And I, then again, there's this sort of whatever success means the minute we define that, the minute yes. we say, this is how it has to happen. This is what success looks like. This is what <clears throat> it's like this sort of, we end up in a box instead of saying, okay, wait, we want our kids to be successful. I bet all of us could name people, adults in our lives that are we would consider successful that are on completely different paths from one another, right? There's not a definition of success. There's not a definition of success and there's no one path to success. And a lot of times we're trying to be kind and nice and try to shortcut it for our kids because our path to success went this way. And so it's one path to success, but it gets us tripped up because we feel like it has to be this way instead of just focusing on what we really ultimately want, which is the end point and not the, how do you get there? Well, and we're worried, like on some level we control because we're worried about them and we're concerned that it won't go well enough for them or that they won't, you know, meet whatever metrics we think they should meet or like, so there's, there's kind of one way that parents control when a kid is successful. And that may be the kid who's doing great at baseball. Now dad thinks baseball is the only thing that kid should do. And now the kid doesn't want to do baseball because dad's gotten in. Right. Right. And then there's another way that we can control when our kid's not 
is failing to hit the metrics and hit the milestones. And so now we're scaffolding and supporting and maybe enabling because we want them to be able to be successful. And both of those are letting our agenda get in the way of what this kid needs to be dealing with. Which is where you started, which is like the first place to look in this is is us, right? If you're trying to control or if you notice yourself, I got to be in the, I got to be in the forefront, right? We want to be leaders in our families, but if we're leading from a place of you must do it this way or follow me and I know the right way. I mean, we've all had bosses. A lot of us have had bosses that were like that. It's just sort of, it's not really that much fun to be in a leadership environment where the person in charge is saying, this is the way you must you have do to it. do it. Yeah. And so we, if we create that kind of same kind of environment for our kids, we're not creating ultimately what we want, which is the environment of trust and relationship and collaboration and right. independence. I mean, all those sorts of things that we're looking for because we're so hanging on so tightly. And again, the first step is to really look at what is it that's causing me to hold on so tightly? Am I scared about my kid's future? Am I worried that I've screwed up somehow and I got to make it right? Am I like overwhelmed? And so I'm kind of over micromanaging because I don't know what else to do because I can't deal I mean, there's all these different pieces that happen to us that lead us into a space where we're trying to pounce. I love it. Right. Yeah. Am I over? Am I frustrated because I can see the path so clearly? Why can't they just mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of ways, and and it's interesting in coaching when you learn when you go through coaching training, you learn about the notion of attachment to outcome. Mm-hmm. And what we're really talking about is as parents, it's hard not to be attached, fiercely attached to the outcome of our kids' success because you know, this is their life and we want them to be successful. But I think we confuse or conflate success with success looking a certain way, which is what we were talking about earlier. And, And when you have complex kids, success, what turns out to be successful for them may not be, actually, this is probably true of all parents of all kids, may not be what you thought it was going to look like when you first started parenting that child, whatever. Yeah, no, I think that that probably is true for all parents of all kids, regardless of, right? The thing that's coming up as you're talking, Elaine, is I'm going back to the episode we did on the four roles of the parent, the director, the collaborator, the supporter, and the champion. And we can link to that in the show notes. But I was thinking about the fact that it's like, okay, when we're in director mode, which is like full on control, and then our kid says... Hey, mom, dad, back off. And then we kind of do this sort of way back, like, okay, fine, you've got it. You might say over calibrate, over calibration, right? right? It's sort of, but it's that sort of we're sitting there waiting in the wings because we're scared that they're going to fa- falter or we're convinced they're going to falter. And so again, we're sitting there waiting to pounce. I mean, I think that that's well, and and in some ways we wait for them to falter so that we can justify stepping back in and directing, which is a tendency that we parents might have a few times, because that's when we're trying to control for their outcome. And again, it doesn't matter what age we're talking about when we're trying to make sure things go a certain way for them. And and we confuse that as helping, and we'll come back to that in, in a minute. But but really, we need to ask, you know, what's important here? What's really most important? Is it important that, you know, my kid learn to love learning, or is it important that my kid get an A on every spelling test? You know, like this is where we get lost in other people's expectations or our own expectations or that kind of thing. 
Which ultimately leads us to fear or overwhelm or whatever else, which causes us to move into exactly. counseling mode. Okay. So that's our control issues. Yeah. So let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about our kids. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or a professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. Okay, so we're back and we're talking about control. And now we're going to talk about control issues from our kids' lens or perspective, right? right. Because so we're is- dancing around control while our kids are feeling out of control. Well, right? and they're feeling- On some level. Pounced on, right? It's this sort of, you know, one of the things I was thinking about that Janet Jackson song again, it's like, it's all about my control. It's about my control. And and our kids do want to have more control and agency in their life. That's a normal thing that happens, period, period right? It's a sort of, it's a progression and they should, I mean, we, and we should want them to, right? And the question is how to do that in a way that balances what they need with what they want, which is the independence paradox that we talk about all the time and sets them up for success. You know, there's, there's this dance there that we have to do. But I, I, but I want to go back because again, I want to go back and understand, okay, yes, kids want more agency and control in their lives. But before that, what's, what's making it hard for them? Mm. When you have kids with neurodivergence, they are very often feeling out of control in some aspect of their brain and their life. They can't can't get get themselves to do what the people want them to do. The parents, adults want them to do. And that feels out of control. They can't do what their peers are doing. And that feels out of control. So hang on a second. So let's, let's just put a pin in that and say, even if they don't acknowledge out loud that they do that, I guarantee you that your kids are thinking that. Yeah. yeah. They're not, they're probably not able to articulate this to you. But but we can assume if you've got a kid with neurodivergence, there's some areas in which things feel overwhelming or out of control or scary for them, right? So that's one thing that's going on for them. And they're, they want to be able to be in control and they don't feel the capacity and they don't know how to get there and they're afraid they can't get there. Then there's this other layer of disappointing you and the other adults in their lives because they're not achieving those milestones where they feel like they should. So there's lots of shoulds, Yeah. Right? Well, which ties into the fact that, I mean, both of those scenarios you described would cause a kid to be dysregulated, right? And so if a kid gets dysregulated or overwhelmed, whether it's pressure from mom and dad or disappointment because they aren't doing what they want to be doing or that they think they're supposed to be doing, you've got a dysregulated, overwhelmed kid, they're going to go into their coping mechanism, which might be, okay, they're going to be like, I got to do is stay out of this. This is mine to do. I got to take care of this. So they may be control or which often happens is that they may go to avoidance. Mm-hmm. So you've got a kid who's avoiding their reality. And then the parent steps in because the parents got cope control is their coping mechanism. And mom's chasing the kid around or dad's chasing the kid around going, come on, you got to get this done. And he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And, and it's just sort of, you're both in your coping mechanisms instead of, okay, wait, let's figure out, what's really going on here and figure out how to balance ownership 
rather than fighting for control. And I, this just in, I love the shift, right? It's this sort of, if we shift from who's in control to how are we balancing ownership? How are we inspiring ownership? Does that feel different to you, Elaine? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like that's what we talk about when it's about when we get into that space of buy-in and moving from, from collaboration to support. Support is, a, we move into support when our kids take ownership. Mm-hmm. And when they step into ownership, we're allowed, we, we shift out of sharing the agenda to supporting them in their agenda, which by the way, could be really hard if you don't actually agree with their agenda, but we still want to find ways to support them and what's important to them if they're taking agency and leadership in a way that's obviously safe or healthy. You know, we can, we could, we, there are ex- exceptions to every rule, but what's really striking me again, I, I want to be careful not to go to solution before we really understand the problem. And the challenge is that you've got kids who want control, who feel out of control, who want a sense of agency, who are either going on the offensive or going on the defensive with their parents, typically. Um, if they're going on the offensive, you get combative, oppositional, you know, some of the, that lovely language. If they're going on the defense, you get the avoidance, the learned helplessness, the why should I do it if you're going to do it anyway? Yeah. Um, I'll just let you do it. And so I want to kind of frame that before we then move back into this conversation about what do we do with this information? And the initial, the initial idea for this conversation started in a, in one of our coaching groups. It was in the coaching group for parents of teens. And we had this realization. What I love about these groups is that I'm always getting insights along with everybody else. I'm like, I'll hear myself say something. I'm like, Ooh, they're like, can you say that again? I'm like, no, what did we just say? Cause that was good. Right. But this notion that help, we want to help our kids. We do all this stuff to help our kids, but help is not actually helpful if we're really trying to control them instead of trying to help them. And this was just for this small group, we were all like, whoa, that's so cool. Because we realized that we really are trying to be helpful. But the underlying goal is is some level of control. We want to control the outcomes. We're afraid for the outcomes. Back to that beginning conversation. And so we have to start looking at helpful in terms of transferring control, not controlling well, and it's so funny, the analogy that just popped in and we were talking about this, actually, uh, I was talking with a couple of colleagues on our team about the idea of having somebody else load your dishwasher. Do you remember anybody oh. else load your dishwasher? And it's no, like- I had a couple, a client couple that I work with that spent 20 minutes talking about each of them were sure they had the right way to load the dishwasher. Well, but the, the, whole, the whole bottom line in this is like, if somebody loads your dishwasher for you, you want to be appreciative of the fact that they loaded the dishwasher for you, but then there's this part of you that's like, but you didn't do it. The, but the bowls don't go. Those aren't going to get clean. Are gonna, those aren't yeah. going to, yeah, like all that other stuff. And it's the clothes are going to wrinkle if you don't fold them just right. Exactly. And that's, it's the, that's the piece of it here is this sort of Letting holding go. it, holding it loosely enough to let yeah. them grab it because, okay, you know what? A couple of the bowls don't get quite clean. You can put them back it the in next again. time yeah, maybe. or learn to load it differently. And in the meantime, they, they're, they're experimenting or, you know, maybe it's an opportunity for them to rinse and repeat. Ha ha. Like that, like that. Uh-huh. The dishwasher. There we go. Rinse and repeat and go, okay, wait, you know what, sweetie? Like I noticed that a couple of the dishes didn't get clean. What do you want to 
Thank you, you so much for loading time. the dishwasher. What do you think we should do next time to make it work differently? Or let's figure out how the mach- machine works or whatever. Rather than I told you, you should have done it this way, which. Right. Don't ever do anything to prevent your kids from folding laundry or uh, loading the dishwasher. That's my, that's my takeaway from this. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. So if we're, ta- if it's all about control and we have to look at the ways that we're trying to control the ways that they may feel out of control or are trying to exert control. Right. Mm-hmm. We, and we know we want to be helpful. Then what's the, what's the message here? The message is, is collaboration, not control. I think. Yeah. And part of the challenge is, and I know all of you will raise your hand and say, yeah, but they don't want to work with me. Yeah, but they won't collaborate. Yeah, but they tell me well, they're going to do it. Somebody was to, the, to another episode on trust building. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that was somebody was saying, a, made a comment in the webinar we did today. And it was like, yeah, it takes a while to build the muscle of trust and relationship and, and shift our communication so that we may be able to collaborate, right? And maybe you can collaborate right away on cooking together or loading the dishwasher together or something that feels less stressful. And maybe and, not start with homework. Yeah, exactly. Maybe not start with homework. Well, it's, unless you or know that you can bite your tongue for, a, 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 bite your tongue. In our small group this week, our teen group, we were talking about the fact that we're the middle of the semester and a lot of these parents have been working really hard not to micromanage until until the and, first and report card comes, first out. Report comes out. <laughs> not that they're going to pounce, right? But now they're at the point where it's like, there's part of me that wants to pounce now because I've waited so long, but it's like, okay, so now what do you want to do instead of trying to micromanage? How do you move yourself into the conversation rather than, you know, either either out all out or all in? I mean, it's this is the dynamic, guys. This is a dance here. Well, and so this goes back to, you know, I'll, I'll cue us to the episode on, on the relationship pyramid, right? And, you know, the four phases, we talked about that earlier. And really just that notion of, of building trust. And so if we don't have a podcast on that, we, we will do one. I'm going to go look and think because and, I feel like I think we, we do. One. Yeah, we'll go look. Anyway, well, I think we need to start wrapping. How do you want to wrap? I think we do. I want to wrap by saying, number one, notice when you're in control mode right? It's this sort of notice when you're holding tightly. And like when we talked in the trigger, there's another one we talked about triggers, right? It's sort of when you're like overwhelmed, when you're stressed out, when you're freaking out, when you're catastrophizing, notice what that feels like in your body and go, Mm -hmm. okay, wait, hang on a second. I'm in that space. I'm not, what do I, where do I want to be? Do I want to be in charge? Is it mine to be in charge? How do I relax enough to even go wait a second, what is my role here in this process? Is this, is this mine or is this theirs? Is where I, one of the bottom lines, what's your bottom line? I think my bottom line is, yeah, it's it's similar to that. It's, it's really continuously to ask whose agenda is this? Am I supporting them in their agenda or am I pushing forward my agenda? And if my getting my kid a tutor is pushing my agenda and they're not bought in and they're not helpful. Like when parents come to us all the time and say, my kid needs a coach. And we always ask, is your kid asking for help? And if the answer is no, but he needs it, then we know that you don't have a kid who's really ready for help yet. You have, and so that if you give him that coach or that tutor or whatever support, chances are you're not going to get a lot of buy-in and you you, you may be wasting your money, right? But if you well, can get your kid to a place where they're saying, wow, I could really use some help, 
you're going to get a whole different agenda because now they're feeling some sense of control. And just to say that a little bit louder, that's the moment to get some help for you so that you can help move your child into a space where they are ready and available to ask for help. Yeah, for sure. Right. Because this is your work is to create. I I was just teaching a, a group on communication today and to parents of young adults. And the conversation was, was about, you know, this is our work. It's, it's not easy to stay out of owning our agenda so that we can support it. And theirs, if it, if it's not going at the pace we think it needs to go and that's our job, y'all. Yeah. You know, that's so, our job. And that's what we, you know, so join us, let us help you. If that's your, if you see that that's your job and you want to get on board, let, come play with us. Cause that is, that's where the magic happens. Awesome. All right. So, so wrapping up, wrapping up, what did you take away from this conversation? Everybody take a minute and write down an insight, an aha, something you want to do differently when you go back and talk to your kid tonight. What do you want? What's to- important for you to keep in mind about control. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing what you what you're doing for yourself and for your kids. You make an enormous difference. And uh, thanks for being part of our community. Take care, everybody. See you next time. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.